we're going to lose the use of a thumb here for the rest of No, which hand do you write with? Yeah. <laughs> Hesitant to give that one up. There we go. Okay, good job. Uh, now, Luke, I'm going to... I'm going to ask you here, we're, let's see, we're going to go with the loss of an eye, maybe an eyebrow too. <clears throat> so let's see here, we got this, oh yeah, that's going to be good. What do you think? I think we're going, let's go loss, uh, loss of right arm, you ready? So just, uh, here you go, right there, let's tape you down, let's see here. Yeah. Hold still, will you? You're messing me up. Okay. Tape him up real good. Is it too tight? Maybe. Maybe. Sorry. Okay, you guys can have a seat. Thanks. I'll be back with you later on. If you remove the tape, then you're forever banned from the church, okay? And excommunicate you. All right, so good luck. Appreciate you doing that. Um, we'll check later on to see how it's going for these guys. So the point is, obviously, they've lost the use of at least one body part that they probably have come to rely on pretty good, even if they didn't know how much they relied on it. I, I don't know which one's going to be most difficult, but I'm guessing that Max is going to have the most difficulty losing the use of that thumb. You don't realize how much opposable thumbs actually help. Um, but we'll, we'll check in in just a, a, a little while. Um, we need all the body parts that we have. I mean, even the ones that we that we think, okay, I mean, I could, you know, if if it came down to it, I okay, I, I could lose that function, and I probably wouldn't be that, you know, that bad off. But we need everything that God has built us with. And in effects, if we don't have use of one particular functionality of our body, it affects our quality of life. I mean, these guys are going to struggle through the rest of the sermon uh, to really pay attention, for one, uh, to not be so distracted. But it, it does. It affects quality of life. Uh, it hurts us. It limits us. It, it keeps us from being whole. Um, without the full function of every single part of our body, inside and out, we're not as healthy as we could be. Some have dealt with that. You know what it's like to have a broken bone or, or a, a cut of some kind or to have some kind of thing going on internally that you can't see, but certainly it affects your quality of life. Today we're going to look at something that was very near and dear to the heart of Jesus. We're going to look at something that the Apostle Paul, who was the first and greatest church planter and missionary, that was near and dear to his heart, it's the idea of being unified, of all of the members of the body of Christ functioning the way that they are capable of functioning so that the church as a whole and the church locally can be as healthy as it has been designed by God to be. Unification in the church is, is not something that's meant to be elusive or impossible to maintain. It's something that Jesus desired, that Paul taught, and that we all, I really believe, that we need. We need unity among church people. We need uh, one another, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the, the truth is, as you well know, even though unity is something that is talked about and championed, hey, we're all one, sometimes churches aren't unified. You may have seen times here, times in other churches or wherever, that it just wasn't anything like unity. In fact, there was a lot of infighting, and there were people that didn't like each other, and they weren't hiding the fact that they didn't like each other, and 
And I remember those times from a kid, from being a kid when I was in my home church and some very contentious business meetings and different things. Maybe you've seen that. Some of the things that, that, that are evidence of disunity are just obvious. I mean, there's just that fighting, that angst among people, the dislike and so on. And sometimes, of course, as you well know, we fight over the most ridiculous things. I mean, it's just, just silly stuff that I'm sure if we went around, you could see, you know, I, I remember people getting mad about this or that. And we think, what in the world were they mad about now? It doesn't make any difference. People leave one church, they go to another. All these kind of things happen. And in this series that we're in, we're talking about how is it that we can be the healthiest church that we can possibly be? And we've looked at some signs of what, what is a healthy church. Um, a church is healthy, we saw at the very beginning of the series, when it's gospel-centered. When it's all about Jesus Christ and His salvation. We looked last week uh, at how when, when participa- uh, participation in the church is out of love, not out of obligation... Uh, then, then church health is possible. And today uh, we'll look at unity because when a church is unhealthy, a lot of times you can trace it back to their disunity. Different things can cause uh, a lack of unity in the church, conflict, uh, unresolved conflict, conflict over stupid things. Um, uh, there, there can be an entitlement mentality instead of a servant mentality. And we're not immune to that. Decisions can be made on preference and tradition rather than what's on, what's best for the mission of God and for the lost people in our community. Uh, unity in the church is important to God. It pleases God. Uh, I believe Jesus is glorified when His work amongst us is evident that we love one another despite our differences. And I believe that, that when we are one in spite of the diversity that is always going to be there in the church, I think when we are one, the Holy Spirit is free to move among us and to work in and through us, uh, maybe like never before. Uh, unity uh, is achieved and it's maintained through something that we'll see Paul uh, writing about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So you got a Bible handy. Go ahead and turn there. You can get there on your tablet, your smartphone, however. There's a code there on the back of the sermon handout that you can scan and look at. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. Let me just read this to us and we'll go back and and kind of work through it a little bit. For as the body is one, Paul talking about a human body, and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. So he's just making a a comparison. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in the body just as He wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now, there are many parts, yet one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem weaker, seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we clothe clothe these with greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have a better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Three overall things here that Paul gives us as sort of 
Here's what unity in the church is built on. He mentions first this idea of, of equality. We're, we're, all, we're all one. Look at verse 13 again. For we were all baptized by one spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, into one body. That's the overall church. And then he says, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. He talks about stuff that doesn't really matter anymore in the body of Christ. Things that, that don't matter. Uh, Paul has already talked about in chapter 11. He talks about the division that comes with communion. It was the rich versus the poor, basically, in chapter 11. Paul says it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter uh, what your, your nest egg is like. In the church, we're all equal. He also says there's, there's not Jews or Greeks. So oh, ethnicity, your history, who, you know, where you came from, your social status, all of those things, what color your skin is, none of that matters in the body of Christ. And if it does matter, we're out of line. Just shooting you straight. If any of those things, if, 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 if a person's social status, well, you know, who they run with, uh, if, if, if the color of their skin, if how much money they have or don't have, if any of that stuff matters to us in the body of Christ, we're out of line. Period. We, we are off base. It's not a matter of preference. It's a theological issue that we need to have wrestled to the ground by the Holy Spirit, brought under conviction, repent of our sin, of putting up these barriers that God no longer puts up. And so Paul says there, there is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. We're all one in the Holy Spirit. The truth is not a single one of us stands above another before God. Not a single one of us. And I think that's important for us to remember because we often relate to people just out of our preference and out of our own history. Well, this is just the way that my family thought and I think and whatever. No, 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 no. Hold on. If you have been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, then guess what? You are no longer just a product of your family. You're now a product of the Holy Spirit. That's the way that we ought to live is by Spirit-empowered thinking, and we ought to think differently about one another. Wrestle with that a little bit if you need to. Because none of us stands above another before God. Before God, all of our human-created distinctions, they lose any value. And I praise God for that. It's funny because... When we have college students, and we've had college students in the past that have visited, and they, I find out they're from Louisville, which is where I'm from, of course, and, and I start talking to them, and I say, hey, well, you know, where, where, where is it that you grew up? You know, wh- which high school did you go to? And we try to make some kind of connection. It's so funny because, because they'll, they'll inevitably tell me they're from somewhere on the east end of Louisville. Now, I've told you some of y'all this before. I grew up in the south end of Louisville with all the rednecks. Okay, I can say that because that's where I'm from. That's where I grew up. And so they, they I'll, I'll ask them, oh, okay, so you're from this area and wherever and so on. And they, they turn the question on me, where'd you grow up? I said, well, I grew up where your parents wouldn't allow you to go. <laughs> and they kind of laugh, you know, and I said, no, really? And, they, and I start to describe it and they, they get kind of, the, the laughter goes away. They said, you're right. They told me never to go there. <laughs> I'm thankful that even though I'm from where all the rednecks are from, and we didn't have as much money as the folks maybe on average in the East End. I'm thankful that in the body of Christ, none of that stuff matters. I'm thankful that no matter what I've done, no matter what you've done, good, bad, or otherwise, none of us takes a step up before God. We're all just on level ground at the foot of the cross. That evens it all out. Guess what? We're all sinners. We all were born into sin. We all need to be changed by the power of the gospel. And so none of us is any better. You can't buy your way into heaven. Thank God for that. I ain't got enough money for that. You know, you can't earn your way into heaven by doing enough good things, and thank God for that, because I mess up every single day. We all think maybe, well, the good will cancel out the bad. What if you got more bad than good? You're out of luck. Some of us this morning showed up, we just feel rotten about ourselves. 
I mean, we, oh, I've messed up, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned, and all you see is the sin. And guess what? Before God, you're just the same as somebody you look at and say, oh, they've never sinned in their life. That sweet old lady, I guarantee you, she's never committed a sin. No way. And she stands on equal footing with you. This matters for unity in the church. And unity is something that God wants in the church. He wants us to understand our equal standing before Him. It matters because the church ought to be and should be and must be the one place where people of every race, every history, every place, every story is within this body of Christ that that all of those people can find our true value that's not related to a comparison to somebody else, where you came from, where I came from, how much money I've got, how much money you've got, and so on and so forth, that's simply a value that's placed on us from an outside source, a value that never changes. It ought to be within the church that we find ourselves on equal footing, on equal ground, given that value by Jesus Christ Himself. And I don't think this is a desire just in our day, but throughout all of human history, we want to know that we have value. We want to know that regardless of who we are and what we've done, that we matter in some way. And nowhere should that be more reinforced than among God's people. I really pray, I really hope that anybody who comes into contact with the people of Elm Grove Baptist Church, that they would understand, you know what, we value you not because of who you are and what you've done, but simply because God created you and Jesus died for you. That ought to be the value. So all walls, divisions, barriers, all those things are gone. We're all on level ground, and we're not better or worse than anybody else. We're all equal. Paul goes on and, and highlights the idea of, of this diversity, though, that, that, that exists among the body of Christ. He, several times he talks about, the, he mentions the word many, members, body, one, all of these things, but he talks about how all the members are different. He says, just like in the human body, in the church, there are different parts. So unity is not the absence of diversity. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is diversity in a godly kind of way. Paul's point is that the human body isn't... He, he talks about this in verses 15 down through verse about 20. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? He says, the human body is not just one part or one organ, uh, and neither is the church. In fact, if it were, not only would it not function right, but it'd be kind of hideous. It'd be a monster. Like Frankenstein trying to put this thing together. It's just not going to work right. If all we had in the church were one function, one part, one gifting, then the church could never do all the things that God desires it to do. If the church were only one uh, one gift, say the gift of service, then we would never hear more about what it is God wants us to do. If everybody had the gift of teaching, then we'd never stop talking to get things done. Diversity is is that kind of practical, and it's also theological. It, uh, verse 18 says, God has placed each one of the parts in the body just as He wanted. There's a theological significance to this. God has ordained and orchestrated the diversity among the people in the church. Not everybody brings the same thing to the table. We don't have to. We need to conform people to our will. We need to let them be conformed to God's will and use what He's given them in service to the body. So we're not meant to all do the same things, the same function, uh, so if you're here this morning and you say, you know, I, man, I tell you what, I, I, I can't stand up and give a sermon. I mean, I, that's not my gifting. I can't teach a class. I don't sing or play an instrument. I'm, you know, I assume then that based upon the fact I don't have some publicly recognized and important kind of gift that I probably should just take up space and attend and I'll slip out the back door and maybe nobody will notice me and I won't feel any worse about myself than I already felt when I walked in. The, the truth is that 
Paul is highlighting the fact that inside your body and attached to your body are parts that you may not immediately think are that valuable and that important. But that diversity is there so that your body will be complete. Let me tell you this. If you're feeling as if you don't matter or that you matter more, remember then the diversity in the body of Christ. We're different just as God wants us to be. We bring different things to the table. We don't need everybody with the gift of teaching and preaching. You don't get tired of listening to me as it is. Imagine if everybody was doing that. We don't all need the gift of service because we'd all just be doing stuff and we'd never lift our heads up to be taught anything else. We don't all need the gift of discernment because we just go around analyzing everybody all the time. We're different. Our differences in gifting and differences in function aren't aren't meant to create division, but to bring greater unity. Paul, then as he carries on verses 21 to 26, he kind of highlights a sense of camaraderie among among the people. So so you've got unity built here on, on their equality, on their diversity. And then he talks about their camaraderie. He says, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Uh, and then he goes on, he says, so there'd be no division, but that the members would have the same concern. That word concern there means anxiety. We'd be worried about one another. There would be this sense of togetherness, a sense of fellowship. There, there was some evidence here that maybe some members of the body were thinking, well, I'm not important or I don't need other people. Well, we might not want to admit it, but I think a sense of camaraderie of togetherness, of having friends, of not being isolated and alone. I think that's something that most folks in our society are desperate for. I really believe, and not not just on your personality. Well, I'm just not a people person. That's fine. But I really mean a connection with folks. I was talking with somebody before the service, and we were just talking about that. We just, we're desperate for a connection. And, and when we don't have those things, we begin to be isolated, and we sink into some probably even pretty rotten thinking, some depression, some stuff like that. And there's something about being together with other folks that helps that. I think that's probably the single most reason why social media is so popular, why it's so fascinating, why it's so vital to the lives of so many people. Why? Because they feel like they're connected to folks. They feel like they are somebody. They have some value. I really hope that we'll do all we can. Whatever, whatever that may mean for us, whatever preferences we have to give up in order that Elm Grove Baptist Church is a, a group of people that everybody who comes into contact with us feels a, a sense of camaraderie, a sense of, you know what, we're here for you. We, we have concern for you, especially young people, especially those folks going through a difficult time in life, especially those people looking for answers and deeper meaning. That's who we ought to offer that to. Paul talks about here's their unity. It's built on their equality, their diversity, their camaraderie. So let me give you a couple of things here and then we'll close. I want you to remember two things. You see this, you've been waiting for it. First of all, they need me. When it comes to the church, I want you to remember that we need you. Uh, You have been gifted by God for a very specific contribution, regardless of how insignificant you believe it to be. You have a gift from God, the Holy Spirit. If if you have given your life to Jesus, you say, I have been converted, I am no longer a sinner, God has made me into something new, I am a saint before God Himself. By the grace of God, my life has been changed by the power of Jesus. I've submitted to Him, however you want to call it. I've given my life to Jesus, whatever it is. At that moment, the Holy Spirit gave you a gift that was meant to be used in the church, and we need you. I want you to remember, they need me. 
Now, this isn't an arrogant statement. Well, they need me. I tell you what, if I don't show up, then things just ain't going to happen. That's not what I'm talking about. But I believe there ought to be, and if I can give you a little pastoral obligation, I think there ought to be some sense of obligation we feel to gather with the church and participate because God has gifted us in a specific way that the church needs. I'm not one who wants to put pressure on folks and guilt you into coming. I'm not like that at all. I'm not, that's legalism, and I don't like that. But I do think that a Holy Spirit-driven sense of obligation, you know what, they need me. I need to be involved because I bring something to the table. God has gifted me in a specific way that the church needs in order to be built up. Lots of different verses I could take you to, but spiritual gifts are given to individuals so that the church can be better off because of it. I think that... There's so many people that go through our Christian lives attending church and we just feel like we, we have nothing to offer. We feel like we're unneeded. We're constantly down on ourselves. We're jealous of others. We're uninvolved. We're unfulfilled in our church experience. And I honestly, I think it's largely because we don't get involved utilizing the gifts that God has given us. We sit on the sidelines and we say, well, it seems like everybody else has already got that taken care of. Let me just tell you as the pastor of the church, it ain't all taken care of. Promise you. Promise you. There's plenty of things that God would have us all do. And so if you're needed nowhere else in life, you're needed in the church. You've got a specific gifting. And I believe God wants you to use that, and we need you to use that. So we can't opt out of being involved with the church. It's not optional because they, they need me. We need you. And then secondly, I want you to remember I need them. And I don't know which one of these is more important for you today. They need me, and I need them. I'm not complete and I'm not whole on my own. The truth is, and and let me just put it in some terms of of some of the guys that I studied this week in preparation for the the sermon. One one guy said, sometimes we're just plain arrogant. We're just arrogant. I don't need anybody. Really? God exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus surrounded himself with 12 disciples. Three that were very close. And yet we as individual Christians, I'm good. Don't need anybody on this journey. Don't need any help. The truth is, you, you don't have to gather with a bunch of people in order to worship the Lord. I mean, that, that old cliche, well, I, you know, I can worship God anywhere. Certainly you can. But Jesus didn't go through life alone. And if Paul, writing under the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, talked about how important it is for believers to be together, to worship Jesus Together, if he described it as a body, not just a collection of individual parts, then we honestly can be very arrogant to think we can live a healthy Christian life on our own. This isn't the pastor telling you to come to church more. Because honestly, sometimes we come to church and we're as isolated as we've ever been. All this is, is let me encourage you to get involved in the lives of other believers. And hopefully that will be folks that you're in church with that can love on you as you see them on a regular basis. But the truth is, we're less on our own. We're unhealthy on our own. So the question is, why are we on our own? The church needs you and you need the church. I can't opt out of being involved with the church because I need them. So that's what to remember. Here's what to do. First, give of myself. Let me just say this is more than attending. Uh, that's involved. Certainly love for you to be here. No question. I was talking with someone not long ago about you know the importance. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. The importance of, hey, you know what? It's been a little while since we've been here. Man, we just we got the feeling like, man, it's really important. We need to be around our, our church family. 
But it's more than attending. I'm going to give of myself. It's more than, than pretending I have nothing to offer and I'll just show up. This is showing up, getting involved, discovering your gifts, getting around people who are already using what God has given them, maybe mentoring somebody who's not using their gifts and asking God how to help you be more assertive, but in a humble way to say, look, I want to be involved. I'm going to give of myself. There, there's a link there on the sermon uh, outline if you're, if you're looking online. There's a little inventory, spiritual gifts inventory link. Love for, I encourage you to take like 100 questions. Pretty, pretty involved. Good stuff. Take you 5 or 10 minutes to, to go through all that. Spiritual gifts are just a God-given assignment, a God-given ability, a God-given desire uh, for some particular function that will help us as a body of believers be built up. If you know your spiritual gifts and how I can give of myself to help the church, I really think it helps you to understand more what God wants you to do with your life. Um, I think it helps you to find out how God can work through you. I think it will eliminate things that God hasn't called you to. You ever felt like you're playing out of position? You might watch the Cubs this last week with Kyle Schwarber in left field. He's playing out of position. He's a catcher trying to play left field. You ever felt like that? didn't go so well for him in left field. He's probably a pretty good catcher, but in left field, he just looked lost. If you discover your spiritual gifts, guess what? It'll help you figure out where is it that God wants me to be involved so that I'm not playing out of position. I'm serving exactly where God wants me to be. We learn to use them in love, not as a performance. We benefit from using those. They're greater fulfillment in your church involvement that, that, that awaits you when you begin to get involved in this way. And so I will give of myself. I want to give of my gifting, my function in the church, my commitment, my concern to others. And then secondly, I want you to receive from them. I'm going to give of myself. I'm going to receive from them. Again, I don't know which one's more important. Which one is more needed in your life right now? If I'm honest, then I realize, you know what? I, I need what others bring to the table. These gifts that the Holy Spirit has given all believers are meant for the building up of the church. Paul didn't have the idea of just constructing buildings or making cool programs in the church primarily in mind, but he had people. This is what's going to build others up. It's people rubbing off on one another. And so I need to be real honest, and maybe you do too, about my need for other people. Recognizing my own limitations. Making myself vulnerable. Maybe this is your commitment. I'm going to make myself vulnerable and willing to receive what God wants to do in my life through somebody else. Let me just say this. If God wants to work in and through you, odds are He's going to use other people to help that process. Most of the time, it's not going to be some revelation out in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden you're now exactly the person that God wants you to be. It takes other people. It takes the church. And so maybe your commitment today is that I'm going to receive the gift that someone else has to offer. They bring something else to the table. I'm going to receive their commitment to me. I'm going to receive, as Paul said, sharing the same concern, suffering with, celebrating with. I'm going to receive their concern. Unity on the church, I believe, is built on us giving of ourselves and receiving from others. And maybe it's time today simply to humble yourself and say, you know what, I need to receive what the church has to offer in my life. And in return, I'm just going to give right back of who I am and how God has gifted me. Guys, come on up again. <clears throat> how we been doing? Not good? You're kind of taped up there. Max, how was that with no thumb? Was it weird? It's kind of weird. Did you try to write anything? You just gave up, didn't you? It's not going to try to write anything. Did you You try to write? You had You had at least a function of your hand. Luke, how you seeing, man? Is it weird? No depth perception with only one eye, right? That's kind of tough. 
There's some some folks here you probably wouldn't want to see. It's okay. So um, I'm not sure I can totally get you guys out of this. Let me. I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna cut you out of this. You ready? How about that? All right. Now we can peel all this stuff off. Look at you. Now you're ready to go. Here, let me cut this one too. All right. Now you got your full arm back, <clears throat> Max. I won't try to cut your hand out of there. Let me see if I can get you done. You ready? Might hurt a little bit. You okay with that? Tough guy. There we go. Ready? I give you. Let me give your eyebrow back. <laughs> you guys, they they they're a, a prime example of when something is not right with the body, when some function is not performing, when somebody in the church says, eh, "I'm not really needed," or we say to somebody else, overtly or not, "You're not really important." It's like removing the use of a thumb. It just doesn't work right, or an arm, or an eye, or maybe internally there's something wrong. And folks, a healthy church is unified, not because of uniformity, but because God takes our diversity and makes it into something beautiful, and all the parts begin to function. If you want to be a part of something incredible, and I've seen it, and I've experienced it, and I hope you have too, there is nothing more incredible than a church that's unified and functioning properly in the lives of its members. It is absolutely incredible. It's exactly how God designed it to be. And so don't be like these guys with something not working right. Let me encourage you this morning to recognize, you know what, they need me, I need them. So I'm going to give of myself and I'm going to receive from them. You guys did a great job. You can have a seat. Thank you. It's better when everything works right. When everybody is contributing and we're receiving and giving and it is exactly the way God wants it to be. I'm telling you, it's incredible. We have the chance. And we can miss it. But we have the chance at Elm Grove to see God do amazing things in and through us. But it will not come without unification. It won't come without salvation. It won't come without participation. And it won't come without unification. That's what God wants for us. We're going to close here in just a moment by taking communion. We'll, we'll last five or ten minutes or so of the service. We'll do this. Just as a celebration, a remembrance of what God has done, and also to remind ourselves of the unity, that we all participate in this together on level ground before the cross. So let me ask our deacons if, if they would come on down. and You can make yourself comfortable there. We're going to do this a couple different ways. I'll just tell you if, you, if you're not familiar with the way things go here, we'll... We'll pass out one tray to you that's got a little cracker in it. It signifies the body of Christ. Uh, I'll come. I'll come back up. I'll read a scripture to us. I'll pray for us, and we'll take that together. I'll give you some specific instructions. Then we'll we'll hand out a little cup of juice that signifies the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I'll then come back up after everyone has that, and I'll pray for us, and we'll take that together as well. So uh, so hang tight, and, and we'll hand this out. All right, guys.